Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa curry and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa, a life coach, former World Cup athlete, two-time national champion, health and wellness advocate, and of course, your host. And today it is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. Now on the show, oh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Alex Weber, who I have to tell you, was a voice of reason, a motivator, a person who challenged my ideological beliefs and helped me to make sense of the world, question things, see things from an angle of humor and compassion when the world sort of went crazy in this pandemic. And I honestly just love him. I couldn't wait for him to post on social media. And because he was sharing narratives about life and health and observing groupthink that not many were. And it just made sense to me. He was such a great example of someone who thinks outside the box. And I think I gravitated, gravitated to him the most because of how responsible he was for his words and his actions and his health and mental health. While everyone was sort of like, I don't know, just being paralyzed by that fear that was being perpetuated, he sort of broke out of that and it was a beautiful thing to watch and and observe. Now, Alex, I might add, is also an international keynote speaker on leadership and performance. He was a competitor and host of the American Ninja Warrior. He's an award-winning entertainer for NBC, an author, a world record holder, and one of the youngest coaches ever to win US Lacrosse Coach of the Year, Wow, his accolades are so impressive. And through all of that, you better believe that he has been faced with challenges, with self-doubt, pressure, uncertainty, failures, all of the things that really come with that level of peak performance. And honestly, just with life in general, as we move through the newness of our experiences and observe the world around us, we are going to be faced with this stuff. So he uses his personal experience and professional experiences to motivate, build confidence, and help the people around him reach their goal and lead more impactful and fulfilling lives. So post-pandemic, I've gravitated towards him because of the personal responsibility he consistently takes and how he leads by example. This is huge for me right now. I'm looking for people who are walking the talk. And I think you guys are going to love him and his message about life, be it through the next pandemic or on winning and losing or on showing up as your best self, regardless of what's going on around you. Y'all ready? This is such a fun interview. Here is Alex Weber. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, you were one of the voices at the beginning of the nonsense, crazy pandemic three years that was almost a beacon for me because you brought some humor into 
how to deal with what was happening in the world. So I want to just kind of like start the show off by thanking you. Oh, <laughs> I, that means, uh, that means so much. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, it means so much to hear that because I, there was a long period preceding me, me, whatever you want to call it, speaking up, yeah, asking questions with humor and heart, like, very yeah. human behaviors that we yeah. should be allowed to do. But before that, uh, because of kind of the institutional things that have been set up where you couldn't ask questions or else you were going to be shamed and called an idiot or named and uh, exiled, basically, literally, yeah. um, I was in a like pretty big depression um, because it was one of those times where I was seeing things that didn't seem right. And I knew that I had some skills and gifts and abilities to address it. And I wasn't because I was scared. And I've shared this, but that's when I learned you go to sleep with your soul. And so this is so noisy, right? Our phones are going off. There's a million and one things you can do. And mm. when you finally go to bed, your soul is going to let you know if you're in alignment or not. And mm. uh, so I, that's when I went into some pretty darker uh, depression periods and even as I started to say things, I was met with exactly that name calling, shaming people that I'd known for a lot of my life, uh, kind of turning on me in a very, um, I get it because they were made to fear, like, feel like I was going to threaten their life in some way by me simply asking questions. But all that's to say at this point, I say thank you because I'm on the other side of that. But I'm trying to like somehow, some way send that thank you to Alex 2021 in the dark depression, if that makes sense. Absolutely. It's, it's, th there's a lot of grieving that needs to happen because so many things died and so many things, you know, were reborn. I, I, I just, there's a lot of grieving for that. And to appreciate yeah. the work you did when no one else was doing it, when everyone was scared, you did it. And I loved the way you did it because it was funny and you had characters <laughs> and you were like, I remember like seeing some of your reels just being like, oh, thank God that like, I'm not that. the only one. And I think through humor, hum I, I mean, they say like, sarcasm is the lowest form of humor but forget sure. it that was like the saving grace where we could actually make fun of the world a little bit <laughs> because the, it was the, i mean you're you're i i appreciate that so much and and the the humor was done like when i would kind of make those videos and, and for anyone listening feel free there's still there's some that i have that aren't still up on my socials because i'm like you know what this is not we're in a different season of life. There's some that yeah. I've kept because I'm like, this stands. And uh, like, for instance, <laughs> making fun of like the mask rules of, yeah. I just remember seeing uh, little kids. So it was the Super Bowl in Los Angeles, which was one of the more locked down places in the country slash world. And mm. they had the Super Bowl there. So you got people yelling, screaming, shoulder to shoulder, no masks. And then that day, the next morning on a Monday morning they have little kids going to school with masked up and it was just like hold on did we all just say time out because this is a big event like what did we th so all, all that's to say when making those videos the humor was already done like i didn't have to write jokes it was just like 
the absurdity that we'd all just blindly accepted. And, and I think that's like my biggest takeaway. And I think for a lot of people, which is it's disheartening and it's scary to feel like those who have, who are in official positions and have influence over you. And you'd like to simply believe that because it's their job and it's their job title and it's their logo that they care about you and they're doing the mm. best thing and your interest, your health, your wellness, your family is the most important thing to them. And I think however you want to take this, uh, if you want to take it as a government leader, if you want to take it as uh, big companies that might be supplying uh, medicines, but also pay lobbyists, like however you want to take it, the takeaway is simply you got to make your own decisions. You mm -hmm. have to learn for yourself talk to people that you respect and you think past your metric of like, that's a good person. Like I've got like five to 10 people that I kind of outsource some thinking to because they've proven that they're trustworthy. They're knowledgeable. Dave Asprey is one in health and, and wellness and medicine. I'm like, this dude is doing a lot in biohacking and he's got all the, so he's earned my Joe Dispenza is a great with subconscious and beliefs and your identity. There's certain people like that. Joe Rogan, I think is phenomenal because his central goal is truth in humanity. Mm -hmm. And so I love listening to his interviews. They're My point is thinkers. They're diverse. Yes. Thinkers. They like. Yes. Yeah. And mm -hmm. they don't have really an ego. Mm -hmm. They don't have a strong need to be right. And mm -hmm. I think that's what's really cool. And I, I mean, there's so many different avenues that, that this conversation can go in. I'll, I'll just <laughs> say that however you want to hear this for the person listening, whether that is school officials uh, government, health mm -hmm. and wellness organizations, the company that makes your lawn care. I'm not saying who's good and who's bad. There are good and bad people in everything. What I am saying is find out for yourself, see who earns your trust, who's trustworthy, and then go with them. And yes, I love that. I mean, there's a, a few lenses you can look through the world. And just even switching for me at one point when I People are like, follow the money. And I was like, screw you, as if they're doing this for money. And then all of a sudden, I was like, holy shit, money talks. Follow yeah. the money. Holy yeah. shit. Look at all the people yeah. getting super rich. And look at all the people who are dying of starvation yeah. in our country. Yeah. I just found out in Canada, we had a benefit for groceries because our groceries are insane here. I don't know. I know in the US, it's uh, rough especially in certain areas, but can Canadians are paying a shitload for groceries. And That's so the, crazy. Gover the government of Canada just gave out a $400 benefit for anyone um, that is living below the poverty line. Now okay. there's 38 million people in Canada. It's, it's a fraction of the United States, but 11 million Canadians got that. That means that over a quarter, almost a third of Canadians are living below the poverty line today. Wow. It's like a, that's a, that was a huge wake up call when they were giving out the numbers and, and, and pitting it, like, look at how generous we are by doing this amazing gift to all of these people struggling to buy groceries. Meanwhile, they're hiking up inflation. It's like this vicious cycle that we like to see the good side and not the bad yeah. side. So asking yeah. questions, you're going to widen the scope from which you see the world, which I think is beautiful. And what you were doing in the darkest time, like you were just saying, 
it was a dark time for you. So how did you remain sovereign through all of that? How did you break out of maybe like your indoctrinated beliefs so that so that I mean, you can some, show some up? Some really hard realities to it. Like yeah. I was asked to officiate a wedding for two of my dearest friends. And as I started sharing videos, again, what am I sharing here? I'm I'm sharing some jokes. I'm pointing out hypocrisies in in laws and, and regulations. And uh, I believe coming from a really good place, I had no ulterior motive, even if I missed the mark. And I definitely missed the mark on some videos because that's what happens with anything. You, you, you try and you, you do well and you don't do well and you make mistakes. But my intention, I was starting from a, from a really good place. So I say that all to say, you know, I was asked to officiate two of my good friends' weddings, and after sharing those videos, they unasked me. Um, I had some job opportunities go away. I had some dreams go away, like an opportunity to do a dream, and I won't say specifically what it was, but uh, I wasn't able to participate in that. And so the reality is that there were very hard, real consequences, like family not wanting me, some family members not wanting me to be around because of things that I believed and um, again, just because it, I think it threatened their own ideology or egos or, mm. um, but the realization that I had is, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this world, uh, with the soul that I'm here with, and I'm going to leave it with doing what I believe is right. At the end of the day, if I'm here for 110 years, if I'm here and I'm out today, I'm going out honestly with my heart. And giving everything that I have to what I feel called to do with my heartbeats on earth. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's it. And so uh, if that means that I have to deal with some real hard repercussions in this reality of earth, fine. Because I know there's more. I know there's more after we leave here. And um, I want to do right with my heart and my soul. Ugh. That's so good. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about your life pre COVID <laughs> because I was so impressed. I, I sort of like got to know you as this, as this beacon, this light in the dark time. And then I was like sort of digging into your past and your high performance athletic career. You're an American Ninja warrior. I wouldn't freaking know how that was like, what the hell, Alex, that's so cool that you were doing. That. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to ski for Team Canada. I'm a, I'm a World Whoa. Cup mogul skier. I was eight That's years freaking in the World awesome. Cup. Yeah. Um, and so when I see a high performer, I like want to talk to them right away. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is so cool uh, with skiing. And skiing is mm -hmm. on, and I'll answer about, and Ninja Warriors like this too. But I played lacrosse and lacrosse. Oh, yeah, lacrosse. Yes. So I played D1 lacrosse. I, I won US lacrosse coach of the year after that. I played in the World Cup. I was the second top goal scorer in the world. I love lacrosse. I played Sunday night in a league here. Yes. I love that sport so much. It's different in that you practice with your team. And then if you're like, if you're really committed, you're going to go out and shoot. You're going to go out and throw around. You're going to go out and practice on your own time. But uh, the sport that you did, Skiing is on this unique list, like skiing, gymnastics, swimming. I, there's probably a few others where like 
you're doing like two a days. You've got like morning practice before school. You've got afternoon practice before school. I, I don't know if it's because it's a sport of like microseconds and that, but I always remember not, not being my, my good buddy swam D1 at Cornell. And I remember not being envious of his high school lifestyle. Yeah. It's just so technical. Acrobatic, yeah. it's ac- acrobatics are like that. It's so technical and you have to be strong. So you have to go to the gym and you have to be able to like, it's like sports specific training and then non-sports specific training. And then like all the other bullshit in between it is. Yeah, you're right. We do like two or three a days. Like it was. Well, the, so Ninja warrior, I freaking love that world. I love yeah. the people who put it on. I love the series. It's been such a gift. I started out as a host and that is something that, I mean, there's so many different, uh, avenues to like take this on because I was coaching high school lacrosse mm-hmm. and I was like, I love this. I'm good at it. I, I really like this version of me. I'm like me and um, motivational, but I'm like having fun with the guys. Uh, we're winning. They're having character development. We're making memories. I'm like, this is really good stuff. Um, and I was also doing stand-up comedy at the same time. And then, uh, you know, the guys that I was coaching were graduating that I really had a great bond with. And I kind of felt like it was time to move to a different chapter. And it was one year later that I got hired for hosting for NBC American Ninja Warrior. And, you know, so much love to Kent Weed, uh, creator. And I remember I had like my first meeting of, uh, you know, kind of my audition meeting and, uh, Yeah. Like he came out and said hi to me in the lobby. And it just was like, it was just a very cool, put me at ease. And uh, I ended up hosting that for two years. And my arc, which I speak a lot on in speaking is I was first a, basically a host whose job it was to like show off the course and talk about it. But then they thought it'd be fun if I got up there, swung off some obstacles and failed. And like, that was great. And it was a laugh. But then for the second season, they're like, you know what? Creatively, it actually works better for the series if you were good at this. And so that was like a very pivotal moment because now for this dream job, I had to get it good at these impossible feats. And that year was really something because I was training my booty off and I was still sucking at it. I was still failing. I was still embarrassed. I would train so hard and we'd film every two weeks, basically in a new city. Right. So I'd get up there in the beginning of the series and I would fail. And then I'd train so hard for two weeks. And it was like another chance at it. And I'd fail. And then I was like, another chance at it. And all the while I'm scared that, you know, if this isn't working, they're going to find someone that creatively works uh, better. Yeah. So that was a really and, and again, like I've been a D one athlete. I've been a U.S. lacrosse coach of the year. Like I, I know how sports work, yeah. uh, but this sport was just something like you said, it's so technical. And it was the first sport that I'd ever done. Like if you put me on a football field or baseball or hockey or soccer, I get how it works. Like I get yeah. the mechanics of like, you got to use your hips. You got to follow through. You got to like play up field, move the ball. I, I get it. Ninja warrior was the first sport where I'm like, what is going on? Like what is happening here? Like you're hanging from that and you're flying and you're grabbing on, you're hooking things. And so, so much of it was just showing up. And I like to say the expression with hunger and humility, because you have to have that hunger of like, what does this mean to you? You want it badly. And then you got to have humility and grace because hard things are hard. Mm -hmm. And if you're 
beating yourself up too much. And that's what I started to do in the beginning. You just won't, you won't keep going. And I learned that like, I got to just have a lot of humility in this process. But what's cool is if you do keep showing up committed over and over and over again, the puzzle starts to come together a little bit. And at the end of that year, I started to get good at the obstacles and finished like this big one on the Vegas course. We won an award for NBC for best series that I hosted. It was super cool. And cool. that really laid the foundation for then becoming a competitor two years later on American Ninja Warrior. Unbelievable. Isn't it strange? Like, honestly, I think sport and all sport, really, whether it's individual sport, team sport, technical sport, non-tactical sport in general, it yeah. really teaches you something that that is difficult to learn elsewhere. It really teaches you how to win and yep. it teaches you how to lose, yep. which is a skill that people don't realize is huge in real life. And so I'm not going to oh, yeah. talk about how pissed off I am around about sport here in Canada and about, and there's, there's multiple things that really grind my freaking gears, especially uh, the, I think it's like U8 soccer and hockey. I actually, okay. I think hockey's the one sport that hasn't caved in because they know the long-term outcome where you can't, they don't keep score. They don't keep score. They don't mm. have winners or losers. It's all participation. Everyone's equal. So you go and have fun, but you don't learn those, those key fundamental skills of adversity. What do so you think? that is, is just so there's such a dense topic and I don't mean yes. to interrupt, but you said something that I, I, I want to comment on. Cause I see there's the, there's the arena of you're robbing kids of, of character growth and interpersonal skills because to work with team members in adversity, when you made a mistake, when they made a mistake yes. is a gift and that's, that's transferable gift. to all areas of life. Mm -hmm. I also just want to comment and a therapist said this to me uh, and it changed my life because I was going through a period where I was like going out a lot and I was probably having too many drinks and, and indulging things that weren't good for me. And I was just like, well, you don't get it. Like, I just want to have fun. And she said, what is fun? And now when I speak to some audiences like mm -hmm. college in particular, I, I ask them that I go, what is fun? Because so many things that we do under the umbrella of fun are not actually fun. And so for those kids, maybe for some of them looking for simply an outlet to run around and have a laugh, it is fun. But I remember because I loved lacrosse so much when we would have like goofy days where we'd all play a different position and people would do trick <laughs> shots and all that. And it was cool. supposed to be fun. I hated those days. It just felt silly and ungrounded. And like, it, it, it wasn't fun to me. Mm. What I did have fun doing so much fun is where everyone played their position. They did the best they could do. And we clicked. We finally ran that play well and we scored and we were all hyped up. Jimmy did his job and Tommy did his job and Weber did his job and we all did it and we all came together as a team and we nailed it. That was fun. Yes. And so I think this arena, which is such a, it's such a glossy, acceptable thing to say. Well, let's not keep score. Everyone participates. It all sounds smiley and feel good. But in the reality of what you're doing for human beings, I actually think you're robbing them of the deeper emotions of growth, connection, pride, fulfillment. Absolutely. Because what is the consequence of losing a soccer game when you're eight and learning how to overcome? 
versus the consequence of losing, I don't know, something of greater value as, as you get older, like the consequence is small and parents like, I, I feel, I don't know, it, it, it's all the parents that are, that are dictating what their children are doing and thinking. And it's the parents who lost uh, or, or didn't learn how to lose is a better thing that don't want that experience for their kids. Instead of teaching them skills and, adver- and on how to, to move through adversity with compassion yeah. and grace, that's what we want. We want like moving through it with compassion and grace. We don't want to call you a loser for the rest of your life like, or a failure but like if you if you don't learn that I, all I guess I'm saying is as a kid the consequences are so minor that it's a perfect opportunity it's a perfect entry yeah. level sport is a perfect entry level to build resilience in kids and and and, and I think there is a beautiful threshold because I've also you know, and I love my dad to pieces and, and he's okay with me talking about this. You know, he was intense. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when we lost, it was a big deal. And yeah. he was also so damn supportive and I went to every, every single game at every single practice. So I want to make sure I, I, I say that. Um, but he cared a lot and I care a lot. Um, there is a threshold where it's like you want to care while also like, yeah, if the kid does lose, he or she is not a loser. Like you lost that game. You made some mistakes. What can you learn from it? What can you do better? But, you know, so there's that beautiful threshold that we, we all try to hit. I'm not a parent. I'm a co I've been a coach and I am a coach. So I see that angle. It's tough to always hit it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it just comes to a macro version of a life view, because if you fast forward that kid, and this very well may and does exist and it may exist in more so like, okay, well, maybe that kid doesn't need to know about grades because there's definitely some schools that exist that don't have grades and that's fine. And maybe that kid won't go to college and maybe that kid will work somewhere or have more of a, like a utopian life. And in that sense, you're preparing that child fine. But if that child is going to find him or herself in a position where they're going to have to go after something big and deal with adversity to achieve it, I don't think they're going to have the skill set and the track record for themselves to know what that takes. Well, we're seeing that now. We're seeing that with like all the trigger warnings that we need to put on, all the people who, who hear an opposing thought and immediately go to war with someone. Like you see it, the the emotional dysfunction, people entire days ruined from a tweet. Like it's so interesting, but those, this is like the system that we're, we're, we're building for our, our young kids. This is how it's, how it's going. So for kids who are not in sport, um, I ask you, because it is kind of a fast track. It's not a fast track, but it is kind of a fast track. How do you teach emotional resiliency or confidence or, or yeah? Or and, and how do you teach it to the average person? And I feel, you know, um, qualified to answer this because I've been in a lot of different arenas and I'm, yes. I'm also someone who believes that you need to want that goal, whatever it is, hit a buzzer on American Ninja Warrior, be an All-American. <laughs> that was my first dream. Whatever it is, you know, sell that business. You need to have that dream and give everything to it. 
And this is something that it's taken me the second half of my life to really learn. And you have to be enough, even if you don't. Like you have to apply, you have to have enough self-worth and care and love yourself, even if you don't fulfill it. So I I feel like I really do have one foot in each camp of like high aspirations and also like mindfulness, loving yourself, being enough exactly as you are in terms of like, in terms of kids and, and gaining that skill set. You know, I think about this with my God willing kids someday is I just want them to be passionate about something. Mm -hmm. And I love sports and I see all the gifts of sports if my child, I've also done theater and there's a lot of transferable qualities that happen in a theater and putting on a play. Everyone has their job. It's high intensity in a kitchen. I'm watching the show bear. It's super intense and people have to have their roles and, and know what they're doing. So really in a band, you kidding me? Everyone's got to do it. You got to practice. You got to get good. You got to know what we're doing together. We got a big show coming up. I've been stand up comedy and been part of like a troop in that. So There's so many opportunities for this to exist. And I will never be the one who's like, you got to do sports and you got to, with that said, sports are freaking awesome. I love sports so much. I, all I hope for my kids, and if this applies to anybody else's kids, is just to give yourself to something. Mm -hmm. And what I've said to before is find something that you can believe in and give everything you have to it. And maybe that is Starting this passion project, you want to start a business with a couple of friends. Awesome. You're going to learn so much doing that. You want to start a band. You do want to put on a play. You want to join this sports team. I'm so down for whatever it is that connects with my son or daughter. Um, I just hope that they find something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's just fast forward. You're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, and you're kind of like, huh. Where do people get started to to break out of some of the stuckness that they're feeling right now? That's such a good question. Um, I would say, so so you're living life and you feel plateaued, stagnant, stuck. I would say with a critical eye, can you look at life and ask yourself, where do I feel stuck? You know, in what arena do I feel stuck? Do I feel stuck professionally? Mm-hmm. Do I st- feel stuck in a relationship, significant other? you know, family, friends, do I feel stuck in this version of me? Is it one decision I'm stuck in or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Because, because the general fog of I'm stuck is too daunting to take action. But -hmm. if you say, you know what, I feel like I'm generally stuck, but I know that I'm stuck here. I'm stuck in this position at work. I'm stuck in this dynamic in the relationship, or I'm stuck in this old habit. That's super actionable. And if you get that win, that's going to lead momentum into all other areas. Mm -hmm. So even identifying the stuckness is classified as a win. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love that. And I mean, because I was literally having a conversation with some friends this morning about an event we're doing later in the summer. And one of them said, well, I don't think my, my group will identify with the word winning because we wanted to have winning somewhere in the title, the subtitle. It's not important. And I was like, it's so interesting how winning is now becoming controversial almost. I don't know if you're experiencing that where you are, but to win and to be good at something or the best or um, 
people, especially women, they're like almost of what they like celebrate in silence now because to win will make someone else feel bad. Well, I, I feel like there is a, and I realized that when I first got into the more artistic, when I was coming directly from D1 lacrosse into yeah. like theater in Los Angeles, Hollywood, where people, the word competitive, they really didn't like. Mm. And I think it's because it means that if I want to win, you need to lose. Mm. And I've been in just so many more environments that are so much more abundantly mindsetted. Speakers mm. are so, bureaus and events are so abundant mindset of we all win. Mm -hmm. uh, comedians are like that. I've done stand-up comedy for so many years and like comedians want to see each other win. Oh, come on my show. You come on my show too. Like we'll yep. trade spots. The ninja warrior community, even though we are actually competitors because there's slots and times and people are going to bump each other, we all help each other so much to win. So I, I would just kind of challenge that limiting belief of if someone wins, it means someone else loses. And I, I think that's coming from a place of lack and limit and fear versus this idea of like, I'm going to win. And you know what? Susie's going to win too. And Jacob's going to win. And maybe our definition of win is actually not identical. And maybe there's space for everyone to win. What is your um, what is your recipe to have that inclusive to switch the lens from win from winning? Because I totally see that if I'm winning, that means someone else has to lose, and I don't. I'd rather not make them feel that way than grow or than achieve my goals or you, you know, know. It's so interesting. I'm trying to you know draw a parallel to. Um, I played in this lacrosse game and I scored a couple goals and I, I had this feeling come out of me of like, tone it down or like stop taking shots or, and I really had to be like, where is that coming up in me? Mm -hmm. Yes. Is that, is that coming up because I feel like I'm being too much or doing too much or I'm taking opportunities from other people? And and I've really started to fall in love with this word over the last couple of years, honor and mm. self-honoring. And in, in terms of that specific of lacrosse, like honoring the game and honoring all of the years that I've loved and poured into this and then honoring this opportunity, honoring this relationship, honoring the growth. And, you know, as I say that, I'm having plenty of stumbles in my own in my own growth, whether that in any area of my life, I'm a human and I'm making great choices and I'm making horrible choices and I'm behaving as my best self and I'm behaving as my worst self. Um, but that word honor is, is a good North star to come back to. Like, are we honoring our heartbeats? Are we honoring the opportunities? Are we honoring our growth? Are we honoring you? Hmm. It's really good. Having that mind, that mental shift or the capacity to think beyond what we think we know yeah. and just asking questions and exploring is definitely one of the things that I'm attracted to you the most. Can you tell us a little bit about how you are navigating the next steps of your life? Like how, with all the things going on, putting COVID behind you, bringing out your talents because you're very inspirational. You are an amazing speaker. That. 
and and how are you able to stay sovereign and safe and keep in a and stay in alignment and and win for yourself and continue to strive to win for you so i really appreciate you saying that and you know i for those years 2020 2021 even into 2022 mm-hmm. i felt like it was on my heart and my soul and my life purpose to be brave and brave is a word that i've also fallen in love with which i think means mm-hmm. to me there's going to be consequences this is going to be scary we don't know how it's going to go we don't know how it's going to go um but we know we have to do it mm-hmm. and we're going to walk into it and that word is I, I've really fallen in love with that. And I did it. And I'm really proud of myself for doing it because there yes. was a lot of repercussions, yes. but I did it. Yes. And I feel like I followed that path as far as was needed to the point where things kept leading to each other. And I really believed and was, you know, saying that if if doors keep opening, God, I'll keep walking through them. And doors kept opening to the point that I thought I might move back to my hometown and run for Congress. And that started to feel really good. And like doors kept opening where I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep walking them. And then there was one last door and it didn't open. And I said, okay. And I didn't feel called like my heartbeats needed to go to this fight after kind of speaking up and, and being brave, I feel, and sharing and helping people in that way for like two years. I felt like, you know what? There's this other realm that I can help people, which is originally what I wanted to do in 2018, 2019 was to speak and use positivity and inspiration to help people believe in themselves, overcome challenges, help other people be their best version. It's all the same core. It just with the madness of 2020 took a different form. And then I was like, you know what? I think it's time to honor this path. And so that's what it's looked like end of 2022 into now and it's such a blessing and i know that it's the right thing for right now i don't know if it'll be forever who knows Mm -hmm. because who Mm -hmm. knows what the world's got planned you know Mm -hmm. but for right now i know that it is good because afterwards when people will come and talk with me about an impact that it made or how it helped them what they are saying is deeply good if they were going through something hard or rough or daunting or scared and they feel a little bit better, more empowered, a little more hopeful, like they're not going to give up on themselves, I know that that is is good and right. And so right now I feel in a place of like I'm going to honor this and I'm going to give every fiber of my being to being the best possible speaker on planet Earth that I can be and help and impact and inspire as many people as possible. Amazing. Before we go, I just want to ask you, because I'd like to give people sort of some actions or some things to think about in the podcast. And I want to know what are your non-negotiables right now for your physical, your mental and emotional health, either all three or one or spiritual health, whatever for your health. What are your non-negotiables? I love that. Okay. I got two and then I'll see what pops in as the third. Um, (laughs) One is working out just like movement because though I don't do it every day, I work out. Yes. Because I want to be fit. Yes. Because I want to like feel good in a shirt, but really I work out for mental and emotional health. 
Like it's so yeah. good for my mental health to move and working out takes so many different forms. So to anyone listening to this, do a form that isn't the worst for you. There's a time and a place to do things that you don't like doing, <laughs> but like, so good. Like, isn't the and, worst. and also like 15 minutes, like it doesn't have to be like, you know what I mean? There's not gonna be three hours in the gym. Like you can work out for 12 to 15 minutes and dramatically change so much. So that's one. Okay. Two is prayer. And you know, I'm I'm kind of pausing because I'm checking in and being like, is that in alignment to say that? Because I do pray every day, but there's some days where I'm really in it and some days where I'm going through the motions. So I, I need to, you know, check myself there. But and I by, think and it's, by pray, do you like are you what do you mean by pray? So for me, it is God. Mm-hmm. There was many years where it was the universe. There was many mm-hmm. years where, but it's um as I've learned more and grown more and had yeah. more experiences, to me, it feels deeply true. God, a loving creator of everything that we call reality, life, universe, a loving creator behind that. Love it. And for okay. me, it is a place of one, gratitude, two, asking for some help and hope and healing. Uh, and three, and this is big, I think back to like almost my cocky years, and I'm very confident. Uh, but also like I have such humility now of like, (laughs) there's a God and who created everything. And so like, thank you for giving me gifts and challenges, which fortified my gifts and opportunities to share these gifts with people. But like, I know my role in this. And I also know, thank you so much. And I have so much humility. Um, I just think back to some of my maybe earlier years when I kind of thought like, I was the King Honcho and yep. it's, I, uh, I'm not. I think everyone goes okay. through that in their journey. They're like, I am the King. And then they're like, Oh shit. I know nothing. A hundred percent. And what a blessing that we are loved. And, 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 you know, I, I've heard of this term God fearing and that hasn't really resonated with me. I do have some fear, but it's, it's overwhelmingly God loving because I feel loved uh, in that. So, so that's two is, is, is prayer and connecting to someone who maybe doesn't want to embark on what God feels or, or faith. I would just say, connect with something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. So that'd be my second one. Mm-hmm. Stop making it about you connect with something bigger. That's two, three water. It's <laughs> so good. It's so good. What about sleep, man? You got to sleep. Sleep so good. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh. I've been such a, this last year, I, I haven't really been getting it, but I'm such a like eight plus hours of sleep guy, if I can. Oh my gosh. Me You're just too. a different human being. You're just like a cranking human being versus like gritting through everything. People ask me all the time, how do you do all the things you do in a day? And I'm like, deep sleep, two hours <laughs> minimum. <laughs> Like two hours of REM, two hours of deep. I'm an eight hours plus two. Yeah, it's like, yeah. that's how I do it. Okay. I have one last question for you because you were sober for a long time. You did a yeah. sobriety. Are you still, still sober? Am. You still are. So that's been like almost two years then. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. I don't yeah. know if it'll be forever. Yeah. Uh, I could talk a lot on this, but uh, you know what? I'll, I'll just give a, a kind of a concise direct answer on it because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people are in this exploratory journey. Where totally. We're doing seasons of- uh, my life got dramatically better when I cut out casually drinking and I, you know, like five or six years ago, I cut out casual drinking and I, I would only do special occasion drinking on a weekend with friends or a big trip. And, uh, and my life got dramatically better. And then I just started to feel, 
And this was in 2020 where I was probably using it as escapism or because I was sad. And so my soul, it like literally I would go for a drink and I could feel my soul being like, don't like, why are you doing this? Like, no, like, it, you're like rejecting it. And mm -hmm. I powered through that. And then finally I was like, this has to stop. And it's been two years. I'll, I'll just say this. If you are curious about it, you already know the answer and give yourself a shot. Give yourself a sample size of 60 days or 30 days. Give yourself like, look at it as a fun experiment and give yourself that sample size and then compare it from the 30 days of another season of life and just objectively look at it and see. And the other truth that I'll say is one day at a time. It has yeah. helped me so much with realizing that the future is just an idea because like why I say like, I don't know if it's forever yeah. is because like, that's so freaking scary to think about not being able to do something forever. It's fun to have a margarita. It's fun to clink wine glasses. You kidding me? So I don't know if I don't want to do that forever, but I sure as heck know that today it's not something that I need or want in my life. And I'm just going to keep doing that. So good. Where can people find you and connect with you? What are you, what are you doing next? You're, you're speaking <laughs> at all these events. You're what are, like, tell us. Everything. I appreciate the heck out of you. Uh, so yeah. So I'm Alex Weber on all the things, Instagram, social media. Um, that's my website too. I'm Alex Weber. And uh, if it's speaking, your organization, your communities, your teams, your schools, uh, I love it and feel so grateful to do it. I also run a men's community called Men We Admire. That was a product of uh, 2020 because I felt isolated and men, like men really need good dudes around them. Good men, high aspirational. And that has been super beautiful. It's called Men We Admire. You can check that out on all the things and- uh, would love to welcome anyone into all. Such a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> Amazing. I wish you luck. I can't, I can't wait to see what you get up to. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay. Bye for now. Okay. I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, I'd love for you to share the love and head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Give the show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfilteredcoaching.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.